Welcome to Biohackers Lab, a place where we talk to smart people who are figuring out how to improve health in interesting ways. Join us to discover how you can biohack your life, your body, starting today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Biohackers Lab. I'm your host, Gary Coburn, and on today's episode, I have Camille Heron. Camille is an endurance athlete who is the ladies' winner of the 2017 Comrades Marathon. She's a three-time Olympic marathon trails qualifier, 20-time marathon winner, a world 50K and 100K champion. She holds the world best time for the 50 miles, and that's not all. She's also a research assistant in osteoimmunology at the University of Oklahoma Health Sciences Center. Camille, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to talk about a lot with you. <laughs> yeah, we've got so much to talk about because uh, when we were communicating earlier, we found out you're, you are a biohacker and you didn't even realize it. <laughs> That's right. I had no idea that what I've, what I've been doing, I, I always joked that I was like a modern day Lydiard or something, you know, like uh, doing experiments with myself with training and, and everything else. So yeah, this is cool. I'm, I'm a biohacker. <laughs> you are officially. I mean, uh, when I got to read a bit of background about you, the amount of experiments that you've done on yourself to optimize your body to be able to do what you do. You, yep. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And I mean, uh, we're going to get into it and especially bone health today. So if anyone's interested in bone health, you, you are the perfect example today that we're going <laughs> to, we're going to be explaining about. So I think if we could start, let's, Let's go back to why um, you do what you do and specifically how you got to the stage where you're now an elite athlete, where you've, you've won these high um, prestigious marathon events around the world. Yeah, so as far as my, my running career and how I became a biohacker, uh, I had a lot of stress fractures when I was young and I had grown about nine inches when I was in high school. So uh, my dad, my dad played basketball at Oklahoma State. So I'm pretty tall. I'm five nine. Uh, well, you you guys probably go by centimeters and meters. So I'm not really sure what that equates to. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty tall and um, I'm really long and lanky. And so I grew a lot when I was in high school. And you know, at the time I was training, uh, you know, at, at a pretty decent level. And um, I started having all these stress fractures after I grew really fast. And um, I had I had three in my left foot and they put me in orthotics and I was not doing I, I mean, I guess it helped my foot. But then I kept having stress fractures up uh, up in my femurs. And so um, I ended up making a comeback my senior year of high school and I ended up getting recruited by University of Tulsa. And so I went to Tulsa on athletic and academic scholarships. And I kept getting stress fractures my freshman year. And um, my training volume had jumped up really high from high school to college. And so obviously, I was under a lot more stress. And um, I basically got a medical hardship after that. And I just became a recreational runner. And so I started focusing more on my academics and I got really interested in research and bone health. And, you know, I, I at, at the time, I really just wanted to be able to run consistently and not, you know, keep having stress fractures. And so, uh, you know, in the meantime, I also met my husband, who's uh, he's he, my husband's actually Irish. So uh, 
So uh, he's a professional athlete, and he was training for the marathon, and he had gotten his U.S. citizenship, and so he was training to qualify for the Olympic marathon trials. And so I was trying to just help him with his own running career. And, you know, I was very studious and I was just running for fun. And, um, yeah, and I, I started doing research as an undergrad. And, um, you know, the, the way my mind started thinking, you know, I was trying to think about, you know, what I was doing in the lab and, and how to apply that with myself and understand bone and muscle health. and um, so yeah, it was it was it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool that you know I really I didn't realize at the time I don't know if the word biohacker even existed, but uh, but yeah, I was really curious on how to keep myself healthy. And so uh, what I what I basically came to the conclusion about was that my feet. Um, I had read about the Kenyans growing up training barefoot, and you know I I was like I was like yeah you know that really makes sense you know uh, I'm got my degree in exercise and sports science and you know the thought is you know with strength training you know that that you know you put your body under a stress and then it adapts and it gets stronger and so I kind of was thinking about that you know with the Kenyans training barefoot and with my own feet and I just had this moment where I was like you know I think I really want to like try that with my own feet you know and see if I can make my feet stronger and if that would you know, have an impact on my whole body and, you know, the mechanics of my whole body. And so uh, I think as I, as I told you, my, my first time, this is back in like December 2003. So this is before it was cool to run barefoot and minimalist shoes. And I'm, you know, I'm in, taking my physics and biomechanics classes and I'm thinking about this. And so I started training my my flippers like my house flippers I like went outside and like was running around the block in house flippers and uh, and so that was kind of the turning point for me like okay you know like I'm trying this with house flippers maybe I my my I was a really big fan of Bill Rogers so you know all the all the old school marathoners training in these you know pretty basic shoes and um, and so it just dawned on me that, you know, there we've got these all these fancy shoes now. Maybe I need to go back to like what Bill Rogers was training in. And so I ended up buying some retro tennis shoes online. And um, that's that was pretty much it. Like I started training in those. And, you know, within uh, I was very sore at first. Uh, when you run in less cushioned shoes and you ditch orthotics, you're pretty sore. And uh, so I was sore for about three months. And then it was like my body adapted and got used to that stress. And then within seven months, I had gotten up to like 70 miles per week. And I felt good. I was healthy. And, you know, one thing one thing that I don't normally talk about. And when I tell this story is, um, you know, my body composition changed. Like once I got training consistently, and um, I started sleeping better I was eating better I was like just taking better care of myself uh, as a college student and so and um, yeah what? it was like really incredible so why do you think your body composition changed when you were when you went more barefoot running or minimalist shoe running yeah your... I mean I think I think like because I I never really trained consistently like I would you know train for only maybe a couple months and then I would something would pop up like you know I my IT band would get irritated or you know something would get sore and then I would just stop running for a period and so it was 
pretty incredible because once I got to training consistently and I realized I could run more mileage and, and, and feel good. And I, and you know, it's really cool as an exercise science major, I was able to get, I was in classes where I could get my body composition tested. And so my body composition over like a, like a two year period or something like that went from like 20% body fat down to like 12.5% wow. body fat. So, uh, and yeah, I mean, it was just a matter of like figuring out how to make my body be more balanced, basically, you know, and it started with my feet and what I was doing with my feet. And um, so anyway, so the summer, summer 2004 was uh, my husband, he had made the Olympic marathon trials in 2004 and we went up to Boulder, Colorado. And, uh, and so I'm just kind of like tagging along, you know, I'm not. I was not the serious athlete at the time. It was my husband. And, you know, we're around all these other Olympic athletes up in Boulder who are training for the Olympics. And uh, one day we went out for a run together and my husband realized that I was running further than him. And I didn't get back in the door until after him. And he got really curious about how much I was running. And, you know, as a recreational runner at the time, like, I'm running like six days a week for 70 miles per week. And he was like, wow, that, that's quite a bit. Like, holy cow. You know, he's like, he, he just couldn't believe it that I was running that much. And so then, yeah, he started giving me workouts. And, and then, you know, within a couple months, like I had went out and ran like two months faster for 5K and ran my first 10K in 36 minutes and my first 15K. So yeah, my my running career just took off, and as you know, it all started with my feet, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. And uh, we'll we'll get into your, uh, your your current achievements in a bit, where you've you've broken records and you you're in this ultra marathon world now. But I I am fascinated yeah. how you started with shins, uh, not shin splints here, but um, with uh, stress fractures. What if you could yeah. explain to someone what, what does that feel like to have a stress fracture? Oh, yeah. Well, um, you know, so I, I, I obviously, you know, professionally study bone now. And it's, it's really cool that I, I know what a stress fracture is. And I know what it feels like. And I, I know how the, the process of how the body remodels itself. But yeah, I mean, a stress fracture is a really sharp pain. And, you know, our, the, the thing is, our bones are always in a state of remodeling themselves. So they're always being broken down and rebuilt back up. And I mean, there's times in, when I'm training even now that I might get that, that very distinct sharp pain. And I, I know now that, you know, I have to back off or, you know, I have to change how the stress is distributed, you know, maybe train in a different pair of shoes for a couple of days or something like that or train on a different surface, or, you know, maybe take a day off or something like that. So I understand now that, you know, that very distinct sharp pain that you get, I know what it is, and I know how to treat it quickly to prevent it from, you know, becoming a stress fracture or stress reaction. Because so. I can imagine lots of uh, recreational runners or even professional runners don't listen to their body as well as you do there. And they push themselves yeah. and think, oh, it's, it's just, you know, you get pain when you run and I've just got to run through this. But you you listen to your body and you go, oh, no, 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 this I need to adapt here. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and I, I think it's, that's really important is being able to, to listen to your body. And, and so I'm really 
very much against taking any sort of anti-inflammatories. I don't want to even take any anti-inflammatories because it, it, it inhibits that feedback system. And, you know, even during a race, you know, I like, I would not even want to take any pain meds because I want to know what my body's feeling and how to adjust things. So, yeah, it's really important. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you bring up the anti-inflammatories because the the amount of people, and we'll get into comrades here, that I knew because when I lived in South Africa that would, would purposely take anti-inflammatories to be able to try even compete at that level or just finish the event. Um, and they didn't realize that, yes, when you take anti-inflammatories, it stresses your kidneys. And when you're already doing an endurance run, you're stressing your kidneys um, and the detrimental health effects. But like in your case here, uh, yeah, you, you, you're saying from a health perspective, too, it's a, it's a big no-no to be do, trying to do endurance running with uh, taking anti-inflammatories. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, with the ultras, you know, hydration, your hydration status is really kind of in flux. And and so, yeah, your your kidneys are, who knows what's going on with your kidneys, but you definitely do not want to be taking anti-inflammatories. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's interesting what you mentioned earlier too, how, so you had the stress fractures in your feet and even as high as up in your femur, did you say? So this is your thigh bone. Yeah, yeah. So what, what I came to the conclusion was, you know, the orthotics were making, they were helping my foot, they were changing the, the sh- distribution of stress such that my feet weren't being the shock absorbers. And so the stress was going up the kinetic chain. And my, my femurs ended up being um, stressed more. And so I ended up I had four stress fractures in my femurs wow. over like two years. So yeah, that's yeah. an unusual place. You always think of runners for feet and for shins, not as typically as high as a femur as a thigh. Yeah. Bone. Yeah. And, and, you know, one thing to mention, and um, so I, I, you know, I had my bone density check and um, many, many times during this period. And I actually have very good bone density. Like I, I've never, missed my period I've never had issues with eating disorders and and so you know it was like I was like I did not fit the typical mode for someone to you know have the female athlete triad and be getting stress fractures and and so for me I think it was more of an imbalance between my bones had grown so quickly that my muscles were pulling on my bones in unusual ways and so your femur, I mean, you have your quad muscles and, and, and such. And so they're, they're pulling on the bone. And so I just, my body was imbalanced when I had all those stress fractures. And so I had to, I basically had to grow into my body so that my muscles caught up with my bones. And, and so it seemed to, it seemed to happen around like 22, 23 years of age. That you were getting growing pains in your 20, (laughs) early 20s. Yeah, yeah, I finally finally grew into my body in my early 20s and I could finally handle the the proper training to to develop myself. So, yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the the female triad there because it I, I think it's that's also where I think from a health perspective, um how do you manage your health being a female when you're doing that endurance event and you brought up hormonal changes like uh, I, I guess it's quite common in uh, at your level that females stop having periods too because of the the training that you're doing to your body yeah yeah so I uh, I, I I'm very fortunate that I, I grew up in a very wholesome uh, my, my mom's like a homemaker and, and she's a very good chef and 
so I grew up eating really, really well and, you know, eating, eating steak and potatoes and uh, ice cream. And, uh, you know, I just grew up in a very wholesome, uh, eating a very wholesome diet. And so it wasn't until I got to college that I even got exposed to people eating weird and uh, not eating, basically just, you know, salads and sandwiches and that sort of thing. And, uh, I, I, you know, I was the girl on the team that was, I was probably the thinnest person on the team, but I was the one eating the chicken fried steak and mashed potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, I didn't, I didn't understand why my teammates or how they could even do the training, uh, you know, eating salads all the time, salads and, and, uh, sandwiches and soup and everything. And, and. So I, you know, I'm fortunate that they did not influence me to change how I ate because, you know, I, I like food. I like to eat. And I think that that's been a key reason why I've been able to go on and, and you know, keep running and, and go on to run ultras and be really good at that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I eventually found out in grad school that my diet, my lifetime diet is higher in fat. And and so that was, they, they, they said that that was probably why I was able to, you know, once I realized I could run longer and handle more mileage and that that was probably why I could was because I had more fat in my diet. And so, yeah, that was, that was really interesting. So what do you think then of, uh, people who are going more low carb or even ketogenic, um, uh, for endurance athletes? So trying to become uh, fat adapted or keto adapted to be able to do long distance running yeah yeah so so ironically um so my my day job in osteoimmunology we actually a couple years ago we did a high fat diet study with mice and so the thought what we were trying to do is we were trying to put them on this high fat diet that was like 60 percent fat and uh and then the rest carbs or protein and so uh, we were doing this to try to induce uh, osteoarthritis in their knee joints, okay, uh, because because too much too much fat actually induces inflammation within the body, and so and so I'm the one that was doing all the imaging for for these animals, and I was taking care of them and having to feed them and and everything, and so and so I I'm not I'm not quite sure that. Too much fat, like a really, really high fat diet is good. But I think that eating more fat than, you know, for, for in America to be considered heart healthy has to be under 30% fat. And I'm eating about 35% fat. And so I definitely think that, you know, having a little bit more fat can, you know, create changes within your body to be better at metabolizing fat. But, but yeah, I, I'm not quite sure. What to think of, you know, people that go on these really, really high fat diets are extremely high fat. Cause yeah, knowing, knowing what I know as a researcher and that what it does to the knee joints and inflammation within the body, I'm just not quite sure about that. Okay. Um, cause I'm sure having been a, a comrade's winner now that you would have met uh, someone like Bruce Fordyce and yeah, maybe yeah, I don't know yeah. if he, did you have a chance <laughs> to even meet Professor Tim Noakes? Was he at the yeah. event? No, no, uh, I, I would love to meet him. I, uh, as I, as I, uh, yeah, as I've been telling people, my, my first running book was Lore of Running, uh, okay. by Timothy Noakes. 
And so I, my, I've been hearing about comrades and Bruce Fordyce since I was in the seventh grade. <laughs> so, so it was, it was really cool for me to, to be able to hang out with Bruce. You know, I, I can now say that I've partied with Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> that must be such a great feeling. Yeah, it's like a, a, a person you look up to in the running world, and you actually get to meet them and chat with them. Yeah, yeah. he was great. Yeah, we spent quite a bit of time together, and so he's, he's. He's he's like me. He's able to he's able to compartmentalize, you know, being able to focus on his training, but at the same time, you know, be an easygoing, like normal person. And so, you know, we we had we definitely had a couple of beers and some wine and everything. And like he he was a pretty cool guy. Cool. So, um, can we get into maybe talking about bone health here? Um, when, so to, to strengthen your bone, what would be your tips to, for someone? Like, how did you get your bones to be stronger? Yeah. Uh, that, so you, you, you were talking about the barefoot and minimalist running, uh, which to try get yourself into that. So you were using your own body weight and, and running and exercise. Is that the best way? Yeah, I, I, you know, so, so our bones, our bones, we need to bear weight. And so my my research going back to even my undergrad was related to strength training. And so we were working with a device that could be used during space flight to help astronauts maintain their bone mass. And so when astronauts go into space flight, they don't have that weight bearing stimulus to help maintain their bone and muscle health. And so we were working with a strength training device that relied on inertia that they could use during space flight to help shrink train. And so, you know, from all that, what I learned from that, you know, is that, you know, when, when I think of weight bearing, I think of walking or standing, you know, just bearing weight. I think, you know, not everybody can run and, and run like I do, but, you know, most of us can walk, you know, and if we, if we can walk and bear weight that, you know, walking is a great, is a great activity. Um, you know, even when I've had injuries, I've gone out, I've done long, long walks, like two hours of walking a day um, when I couldn't, you know, run for a period of time. And so I, I think that walking is definitely a really good activity. But uh, but yeah, I, I think that definitely strength training is important, um, especially for women and what it does to you hormonally. And, um, you know, I, I talking about my undergrad research and uh, what we found that is, is basically the, the heavier the load and the more blood lactate that you're producing from strength training and that that correlates to growth hormone release. And so I applying that with myself, I got into doing upper body strength training. Um, and, and my thought was that if I used heavy weights with my upper body, that, you know, and I, I worked to fatigue and I produced that growth hormone release, that that would help my lower body to recover faster because the, the growth hormone release is systemic within your body. And so mm. it's flowing throughout your body. And so, and so when I started doing strength training um, about nine years ago and doing it consistently, it was kind of an experiment for me you know, talking about the whole biohacker thing, you know. <laughs> so I, I was I was really intrigued. I, I thought I would do strength training for a period of time and, and see how it impacted my running performance. And so what I found was after twice a week, heavy strength training, and usually I would do it like the day after a workout. And so after about six weeks, I started to 
see an improvement in my running performance. Interesting. And and so I was really I, I thought, well, you know, that's pretty cool because you could basically time when you start a strength training regimen, you know, according to when you're building up to peak race performance. And so I would go through periods where I would not strength train, you know, for a couple months. And then I would have my peak marathon that I'm training for. And I would start my strength training about two months before. And so it was very consistent that after about six weeks of consistent strength training, I would see this jump in my running performance. And so, so yeah, even like training for comrades this year, I started my strength training regimen at the beginning of April. And within um, about two weeks before comrades, I did my, one of my final workouts that I uh, was, was, was doing. And, and so I, I finally knew that like two weeks before comments, I was definitely ready and I was fit. And so, yeah, I definitely think that the strength, I had seen a jump in my strength training as well, as far as the amount of weight that I could, uh, could use and, and such. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That is to think that as, um, as a runner, that you were training your upper body and it was healing or it was improving your lower body because of, of that that human growth hormone factor traveling through your your blood system and going down into your legs and healing you yes yes isn't that cool that is very cool (laughs) and it's such a great tip for people too to think that when you're training your upper body that's actually creating a full body uh, influence in a healthy way yes yes and but yeah but we're talking we're talking about bone though yes and i I, and i you know growth hormone and you know the these are, we don't, the thing is, as an elite athlete, we don't need drugs. We don't need to take drugs. If we understand how our body works and how to upregulate our own hormones, that, you know, that's, that's an endogenous stimulus that, that, you know, so it was, it was really cool for me as an undergrad, understanding this and understanding how I could upregulate my own hormones and, and, you know, uh, to enhance recovery and, and um, enhance my own bone mass. And, and so that was, that was a cool thought for me thinking, you know, as an elite athlete that I could use my brain to enhance my running performance. So, yeah. And you, and you did touch on with the, the NASA guys that um, with astronauts. So you used whole body vibration plates too, did you? Yeah. Yeah. So my, my, uh, grad school master's thesis project was, uh, vibrating a bunch of rats on a, on a whole body vibration platform. Um, so, so yeah, so it was pretty, it was pretty cool. And what we did was we suspended all these rats. I had 30 rats in a room that were suspended by their tails. And, and so that was supposed to induce osteoporosis in their hind limbs, um, kind of like with astronauts or with, with uh, people that are bedridden, um, you know, people that have hip fractures, you know, someone has a hip fracture and, and they basically can't bear weight for a period of time. And so we were doing this experiment with these rats. And so I had all these rats that, you know, they went through a period where they were unloaded, uh, you know, and, and, then, and then we put them down. And we had one group that was just normal weight bearing. So it was like not vibrated. And then we had another group that was vibrated. And so, uh, so, you know, I had, I had, a these boxes that, that strapped down onto the vibration platform. And I put all these rats in the box boxes and they were vibrated for 10 minutes a day. 
uh, 10 minutes a day. Now think about that, that they were getting, all they were getting was an extra 10 minutes of uh, stimulus from this vibration platform. And so then I, I ended up doing all the analyses, uh, all the lab work with their bones. And so what we found is that it did, it did help to uh, suppress the, the, basically the bone. So you have bone formation and you have bone resorption. And so your bones are being built back up. They're being resorbed. And so what was interesting was my thesis found that they had less bone removal and so that, you know, if you have less bone removal, then you end up having more bone formation. And so they, um, they were, they were, it, it was a, it was a good stimulus. And so, uh, basically, you know, you can think of whole body vibration as being almost like walking, um, and, and standing. And so it's a very low level stimulus. And so thinking about that, you know, you know, with every day, like, you know, I, I, I always, you know, the vibration thing was really cool because they're they're now applying it in like PT clinics and, um, you know, to try to help people that have hip fractures and that sort of thing. And, you know, to get that added stimulus. But, yeah, I mean, if you had to equate it to normal every day, I would just say it's like walking. And did you find because uh, I, I think I, I know it's a whole big topic on its own, but just if. The, the commercially available vibration platforms that do s- s- market, hey, look, this is good for your bone health, but there's different ways that they vibrate and there's different frequencies that they vibrate. Yes. Um, would you give a recommendation just generally like what frequency people should look for or what 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 type of vibration they should look for if they're looking for a commercial plate? Yeah, yeah. So the, the vibration platform that we had, we had to calibrate it so that it was vibrating at you know, what it was stated to vibrate at. But uh, basically it was like, I think it was like 90 Hertz. Uh, I think it was like 90 Hertz. And so there's, there's a lot of studies that have, have used a vibration ranging from like maybe 30 Hertz up to 90 Hertz. And so ours had like, uh, I think that I, hopefully I'm stating this right. I haven't read my thesis. <laughs> it was a while ago. Yeah. You've done a lot more since then. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I remember, I remember that it was at like 90 Hertz and, um, and so that's a, it's a very, it was, that was considered high frequency. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, do I have that right? Yeah. Cause 30 Hertz, from uh, what I understand, is, is usually what most plates run at. Well, l- the yes. lower range. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so that's at 30, but ours was at 90 and, and we did it for 10 minutes with mm. the, with rats. And so we were, uh, but but yeah, we found that it did have a positive benefit, and um and so it was it was really interesting thinking thinking about that that you know all it takes is like ten minutes of yeah. a stimulus, and so that was that was pretty cool. Yeah. So already as biohacking tips, I'm listening here is you know go do some good walking to improve your bone health, do some upper body yeah. workouts. If you want yeah. a home body vibration uh, platform, is also going to be a beneficial effect for your bone health. Yeah. And, and what about yeah. um the the calcium debate? Uh people always go, Oh, I'll take calcium, calcium, calcium to make my bones stronger. Do you have yeah. a, an opinion on on that? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because around the time that I, you know, started getting more serious with my training, I actually well, I thought I was lactose intolerant because I started having issues, uh GI issues with dairy. And so I cut out dairy uh well 
I, I, I still eat ice cream. I seem to be okay with ice cream, but milk. I cannot do milk. And so I basically had to switch, you know, even like I drink coffee and having to switch, you know, what kind of milk I put in my coffee. And, and so, and, but basically I had cut back like way back on my dairy consumption. And I was getting, I was getting, cause I went to grad school and, and, and so like I, I, I got bone density tests on myself. Like I probably have like 10 years worth of bone density tests on myself during, during through all this period. And my bone mass went like way up. So and you so, cut it, sorry, just to get that, you cut out the dairy, but your bone mass still yes. went up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, you know, I grew up, I grew up on a very wholesome diet, drinking a milk, a glass of milk for like every meal. And so here I like completely cut out dairy and I, my bone mass went up and I was taking calcium supplements and, and, um, and I was started running more and, 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 and they joked that like, I think it was, it was right after I went to grad or right, right after I was done with grad school and I started working in a bone lab up at Purdue University. And they went and tested everybody in our lab because they were doing some sort of baseline testing with the machine. And, and so we were, they were blinded basically on like whose, whose data was whose. But they, they joked that they were able to know that what, which data was mine because I had like way better hip bone mass than anybody else. <laughs> and so they were like, they're like, oh, well, we know, we know that this is Camille's because she's got the best hip bone mass. And so obviously the, you know, between not having dairy and then all the running that I do, it was having a benefit to my hip bone mass. So fantastic. Yeah. Uh, um, so I think hopefully, are there any other bone tips you would like to pass on to people before we move away from uh, just going on about bone? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, I mean, I think, I, a lot of what I learned about grad school as far as the nutrition and, you know, the female athlete triad is it's all about being an energy balance. And so I have a lot of, I have a lot of, you know, premenopausal women, uh, friends that don't have periods or they struggle with their periods and they, they're like, they're like, Oh yeah, I eat really well. And I'm like, I'm like, no, you probably don't, you know? And so a lot of women don't, won't get their period back until they, stop running because you know and they think that that they think that it's just about too much energy expenditure and the thing is you know for me to be able to do what I do I run a lot Mm. I run 120 130 miles per week and I don't miss my period and so I learned in grad school I, I had my energy uh my energy status uh I had to like weigh my food and for a week and they, they checked my energy balance and, and I was within energy balance of something like, like 70 kilocals, which was incredible for as much as I run. And, and so they, they, they said that was really, really good because it meant that I was so in tune with my body and, uh, you know, what it needed that I was getting my, my energy intake was matching my energy expenditure. And so, so yeah, your energy balance is really, really critical to your hormonal balance to be able to get regular periods. And, and so you want to be getting, you want to be maximizing your bone mass up until like the age of 30 to 35 as a woman, because after that, it's, it's all downhill basically with your bone mass. And so, yeah, it just really, you just really have to be in tune with your, 
uh, your energy intake if you're running a lot. So yeah, I think that's a great top tip for any female listeners to this who are keen runners too. If you are getting to the stage where you're noticing your menstruation, menstruation, uh, menstrual cycle has changed, uh, you're saying that's a warning sign that you're not you're not in that good energy balance, and you need to address that. Exactly, it's not normal. And- yeah, and and you know, for me as an elite athlete, that I want my hormones to be in balance. If mm. something is, if 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 I'm not getting, if I was not getting my period, that would be a red flag that my body is not healthy. Like I, for me to perform like I do, my body has to be healthy, extremely healthy. And so, yeah, I, I've, I'm so in tune with these signs that, you know, whether my body gets a sharp pain, you know, I might be getting a stress fracture. And, you know, so I, I've got I've got a whole community of healthcare people around me that are helping make sure that I'm healthy when I toe the line and nothing is off. Mm-hmm. So that's important. Fantastic. So yeah. go, going into a little bit of nutrition here as a side side thing. Um, I recently got to speak with Professor Bruce Bean, and he is a co-inventor of a product called Hotshot, and you are an ambassador for Hotshot. Yeah. So tell me, because yeah. I really want to know. So I've, I found it fascinating when I was speaking with Bruce about um, the, just the, how muscles cramp. And for you, at the level that you run at, I mean, it, I'm guessing cramp must be so, it must be a high risk factor for elite athletes at, at the ultra marathon level. And I'd love to know your experience of taking hot shot. I mean, just that, cause it is, I I've taken it and it's, it's hot and spicy. And I'd love to know, like, <laughs> how, how do you handle that when you're running and do you take in one <laughs> shot? Do you, you know, so if you could just talk a bit about that, I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I, I think I had first heard about hot shot from my ultra marathon friends and just over a year ago. And so I contacted the company uh, to see if I could test it. And I, uh, I was testing it at first in training. And I remember thinking, you know, it feels like a hot Jägermeister shot. (laughs) (laughs) It it was like a really spicy like shot. And, and and I felt like a, like a fire in my belly. And I was, I was kind of like, I was like, I was like, well, I'm not sure what I'm feeling in training and, and how I'm going to feel trying to take this in a race. But, uh, but what I did, I went, I went and did a, a, a 50 miler just over a year ago. And, you know, being the biohacker that I am, I was like, I got to apply this in a real world situation. And so I carried it in my pack and we had these like extended climbs up this mountain that we had to do and and so um my quad started cramping and and i and this is like pretty early in the race like it was not very far into the race it was like 10 to 20 miles into the race of a 50 miler and my quads are cramping and i'm like i'm like well you know i'm the only way i'm going to find out is to take the hot shot and see what happens and so within like within like a couple minutes i could just this it was almost like my muscles just started to relax and everything just kind of like I just felt this relaxation within my lower body and uh, I did not cramp at all after that if I was good to go and, that is great. and yeah and I thought I, I was totally sold on the product after that so yeah, yeah. That, that's when you know when something works when you feel like oh, oh here we go oh 
it says it should work so let me try boom oh actually it does and i've just finished a 50 50 mile race yeah yeah and and you know i I, because knowing what i know as a science person i was like i was like i hope this is not some sort of placebo effect but i'm telling you my muscles really did feel like they relaxed and and it definitely i had no problems whatsoever after that so fantastic yeah and uh when i was speaking with bruce i didn't mention tim but it's uh, and we'll come back to professor tim notes because he talks about the central governor um theory about how it is our nervous system it creates the cramping and that's also what the hot shots about is that you stimulate the nerves and so if your nervous system is a bit Uh, fatigued then it wakes it up so it's fantastic to hear a real life example here at an elite level too um I want to get yeah. it. I want to also get a little bit into beer, if you don't mind. Can you t- can you tell us about your uh, your beer biohacking? Yeah, yeah. So here, this is another one of those real world experiments. Um, so I went and ran an ultra last fall, and I'm having like the race of my life. Like I caught the top male about forty miles into the hundred k. And uh, sorry, I'm, I'm, just so people hear that again, the female caught the top male. Yeah. Fantastic. I, I caught the top nail and yeah, it was it was about 48, 48 miles into the 100k and I caught the top nail and the and the top guy is actually a really good runner. Uh and so he was shocked when I caught him. I, I was having an incredible race and uh we had to we had to climb up uh we had to climb up a hill uh right after an aid station and I started feeling nauseated. Uh I, I had taken taken some extra aid and then had to climb up this hill and I started feeling nauseated. And so I hit the next aid station after that and I literally felt like I was gonna like pass out. Like I was not feeling good at all. And I sat down on a chair and they're trying to give me, you know, all these foods and fluids and everything and I'm just like slumped over in the chair. And so my husband and I had bought a six pack of beer and uh, we bought some uh, rogue dead guy L. And so he had it in the back of his car and he's like, he's like, he's like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to have a beer? <laughs> <laughs> As you and do. I, and I, I kind of perked up after that and I thought, well, nothing else is working. You know, why don't I drink a beer? And so he went, he went, got it and popped it open. And I literally chugged that thing in like 10 seconds. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like if I was, I could definitely probably be a beer miler if I tried. (laughs) (laughs) And so I literally sprung back to life. Like I literally like jumped off the chair and my husband couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And I said, I said, I think I'm feeling really good now. And so I took off running. I took off running and, uh, by that point I had a couple of men had passed me and so I was in fourth place and we had to do a, another loop around for four miles and I had already caught, I had caught the third place guy and he was really shocked because he, he was probably like 400 meters ahead of me and I had drank this beer and then I caught him and everything. And then I met my husband again and I chugged another beer. And wow, okay. Yeah, so I had drank, I was just craving beer after that. I drank (laughs) another beer and I was not, I I couldn't tolerate my gels at that point because I was just not feeling too great. But the beer was hitting the spot. And so I had another beer and then I took off again. And I mean, I was running like a mad woman after that. And then I saw my husband 
again, um, probably with only a couple miles left to go. And I think I drink another, maybe half, half another beer and, uh, and then drink some water and stuff. And then I kept going. Well, by the time I got to the finish line, I was feeling pretty woozy. I pr- think I drank a little bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> two and a half beers in a race. Yes, I think I think my limit was like two beers. Like that's about as much as I could drink. But I tell you, it did something like as far as like my mental clarity. Like I had like more mental cl- clarity after I had the beer, and it, it helped to settle my stomach. And it just like I felt like balanced after that i'd gone from being you know nauseated and slumped over in the chair to like spring back to life and like i just felt better after that so you know whatever it did i think it you know beer beer is beer is a vasodilator and so i think that maybe what happened was all the blood had gone to my gut to digest whatever was in my gut and so it wasn't going to my head and so I was feeling like I was going to pass out, you know, I was feeling nauseated. And so I think that because it's a vasodilator, I think it helped to, it helped enhance the blood flow to, to my head so that I could mentally think again and keep going. So Wow, that is incredible. Yeah, it's, and and this is this is alcoholic beer, not non-alcoholic beer. This this is strong beer. This is like 6.5% alcohol. Wow. So it was a good. It was a good beer for sure. <laughs> yeah, to think you're racing and you chug a a, a, a bottle of beer and just yeah. boom and oh, I feel fantastic and off you go. So yeah. have, have you yeah. done it again? Have you have you experimented again? Yeah, yeah. So I I so the kicker was I I broke the course record by 27 minutes at this race where I chugged the beer. So so I. So you went from slump to oh I don't feel great to breaking a record and drinking beers. Yes, yes. Okay. I, <laughs> so Dre, I yeah. So I I thought I thought wow you know that was pretty life changing you know I like I mean I've run marathons you know where I've had a beer after the marathon or I I've, I've been craving a beer you know after a long run or something like that. And so, you know, here we found out that like, oh, I can have a beer during the race and it actually makes me feel better. And so, um, so now we've incorporated it. Well, first off, what was really cool was I, you know, told my story on social media and I ended up getting sponsorship with Rogue L. So the, the company that had saved me in my, my race, uh, they wanted to sponsor me. So they ended up sending us all the, all this beer and t-shirts and everything. And, um, so this is a local beer where you live, is it? Rogue Owl? Uh, it's actually, it's brewed in Oregon. So it's, it's, and you can, I actually found Rogue Owl, uh, when we were over in New Zealand. So Rogue is international i don't think it's in south africa and i'm not sure if it's in the uk but it was in new zealand so yeah okay but uh but yeah so anyway so now now we've tried to incorporate like having a little bit of beer uh in any ultra that i do and so it i swear like it's like a magic elixir like i will i'll probably take it like the last like one third of a of an ultra so maybe like the last like 15 20 miles of 100k yeah and uh so every time i've done it like i mean i've just like smashed it like the last like bit so so how do you so i'm i just had a thought i mean we're talking about a carbonated beer here too so it's gassy isn't it yeah 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 you know i i don't know i haven't i haven't really felt any effects from it being carbonated um 
yeah, that's a that's a because I know you know they try to like do fizz coke or or that sort of thing. Yeah, and, I'm just uh, thinking when you're running and you just chug a big thing and people will go oh you know belch and whatever, but yeah. <laughs> just yeah that that feeling like you don't feel bloated when you run at, at that last bit then with no, the beer. No, no, no. I I, I mean maybe it's because it's really high alcohol beer. I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> like it doesn't. I I know I know like when they do like a beer mile and stuff that they try to like pick like a beer that is like maybe well tolerated or something. I don't yeah. know what what the kind of I I like to drink dark heavy beers and so maybe I don't know they I don't seem to have any issues with, with the carbonation. So. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, so it doesn't feel too gassy. And you still and you find it's still a one beer that you would what you're taking that last thing in the last well, section or have you experimented with how much beer you need to yeah, ingest now yeah yeah i i so my limit is two beers like i will not have more than two beers because i get too woozy, woozy. <laughs> yeah. but so, you'll still do it where you'll you'll just down a, a bottle of beer um at, at one of those drinking stations that your husband will pass you is it yeah yeah or um he'll put it like in one of my flasks like I'll he'll like put in a flask and I'll like run with a beer and and just chug it or whatever. <laughs> did you do that at Comrades Marathon? I did, I did. I had two beers at Comrades. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if any. Do you know of anyone else who drinks beer when they when they run marathons like you? Uh, no, I'm not really sure as far as ultra runners. I mean, uh, you know, we we found this out by accident. So yeah. we kind of, I I I think it's. You know, because nausea, nausea is such a like common thing with ultra runners that you know I've basically found my cure for nausea, and so uh, it it and and plus you know it's kind of a nice treat. You know, I, I like to drink beer, so it's it's kind of something to look forward to at a race. So yeah, we we try to incorporate it into all my races now. Wow! So you've hacked uh, performance by taking some beer. Which has made you run faster, be able to do that. Plus, yeah. it's fixed the nausea side effect of running long distance for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, another another cool thing to mention is uh, ginger beer. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever, uh, had ginger beer, but I I had it when I was in New Zealand at the trail race in New Zealand, and they had it at one of the aid stations. And I uh, it was probably like halfway into the race, I chugged some ginger beer. And uh, that was so good. Oh, my gosh. Between the regular beer and the ginger beer, like, those are, like, my two most favorite things to have now, like, you know, to treat, like, any nausea or blood sugar or anything. So, so yeah, we I actually had some ginger beer as well at Comrades and the last part. So Okay. It sounds it, – maybe that's a little bit like on the hot shot mechanism with the stimulation, like the, the, the shock effect, I'm guessing, potentially. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think ginger ginger is like a natural cure for uh, nausea too. Yeah. 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 Wow. So, okay. So this is yeah. yeah, I love that tip. So any long distance runners, maybe experiment with having a bit of beer when you're feeling a bit nauseous or you need that extra boost in the the second half of the race. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Trade trade tra- the Coca Cola for for ginger beer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. So now we've we've talked about some of your nutrition hacks that you do. Um, I'd love to, if we can, touch a little bit on your recovery aspect because in this world of sports yeah. science, 
it's it, a lot of people focus on how to train well, but um, a big part of uh, being able to be an elite athlete like yourself is knowing how to recover well. So yeah, if you could explain some of your sure. your think your processes in how you make make sure your body recovers from training. Yeah, yeah. So so one thing I learned and uh, I learned I think it was maybe just after grad school was and um, so I I run twice a day every day unless I'm too tired to to run and um, twice so, a day. So you still run twice a day 7 days a week then. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. And so but what I learned, what I learned, I was in a seminar uh, one time and some uh, some bone professors from another university where they had done some studies where they were looking at um, stimulating bone with a single bout versus dividing up the dividing it up into two bouts and looking at the time uh you know, so many hours after the, they would do the stimulus and then they would wait so many hours to do the stimulus again. And so what they found was that it was more, it was more uh, anabolic to do, do it as two bouts than to do it as one bout. And they found that the ideal amount uh, between the two bouts was to have four to six hours between the two bouts. And so, you know, thinking about that with running, it's it's better to run twice a day than it is to run a single bout for that same duration. Um, you know, so say you had like two hours of training, it would be better to run it as like one hour and another hour than to run a single two hour run. And um, and then ideally, you want to have four to six hours between those running sessions to to get the most anabolic benefit. And so, um, you know, I, I had gotten into running twice a day around this time and, um, and I found that I felt better. I felt better running twice a day than I did just running once a day. And so, um, so I've, I've kept that up as part of my, you know, routine all these years is to run twice a day. And so, um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely, that's definitely one recovery tip. Um, you know, I even run twice the day before a race. And so I end up doing two short runs uh, twice a day. And so that's like part of my routine, you know, to keep my body, my body's used to running twice a day and it helps with blood flow and it, it helps to, you know, keep my body feeling loose and limber. And so, um, so yeah, that's, that's, well, that's really fascinating because, yeah, because we're getting into the world and the concept of overtraining. And so you're not overtraining. No, no. So rather than doing, you know, one single large bout, you're doing two shorter bouts, you know, uh, moving, mm -hmm. basically moving twice a day. And, you know, obviously not everybody's an elite athlete. Not everybody could go run, you know, twice a day. But, you know, even if you just ran once a day and like went for like a walk or something or, you know, strength trainer or just moving, your body likes to move frequently, basically. And so, so yeah, that's. Helpful. And I'm even thinking of weekend warriors and uh, people who want to run a half marathon for the first time in their lives or a marathon here. You know, these are some great tips too to say break up your training schedule so that yes. you don't overtrain by hitting your body too hard. Rather do a little bit, give yourself that day Everything. when you work and then do a little bit at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I have a lot of friends that are recreational runners and, you know, they might only be running three days a week. And but their runs are like really, really long, 
like, you know, maybe 10 miles, you know, twice a week. And then they go and do a 20 miler on the weekend. And I've tried to tell people that you would be better off running, you know, five days a week instead of just three days a week because your body likes to be in a routine and it likes to move. And um, it's it's stressful to the body, you know, to go throw 20 miles at yourself if you're only running three days a week. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, you know, I think it's better. Your body likes to move. And so you got to, like, think about breaking it up more and doing it over uh, more days and, um, and and such so yeah okay and so since we're talking about training here and I, I remember the the marathon runners that I, I came across all the time there were so many different training protocols and regimes out there with your husband being a coach and with you being elite do you do you have your own training system that people can get hold of that you recommend or you recommend some sort of protocol um, for people who want to be able to finish your comrades marathon <laughs> yeah we we definitely we've done a lot of inquiries about like how i train and that sort of thing and you know i i pretty much operate off a two-week system of uh over a two-week period i do short intervals long intervals a hill session and then a heart rate progression run and so i have like four main workouts that i do during a two-week period and then all the other days in between those hard workouts are just easy running. And so when I say easy, I'm running it under 70% of max heart rate effort. And so, uh, you know, I take my easy days easy and my hard days are hard, like really, really hard. Uh, and so I think that, you know, having that sort of balance with my training has been really helpful to keeping me healthy long term and uh, being able to develop from my training. So. Yeah, so we we definitely get a lot of a lot of uh you know I think my my husband uh, I should mention that he's my coach and and yeah. um, he's also we we own a massage table and so we uh he's been he gives me regular massages and so that's definitely been helpful to my recovery is just be able to get regular massages from him um and then also I have these uh these compression boots that that basically fill up with air and 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 they're kind of like they're they have graduated compression where they're they're uh deflating and inflating and um it's kind of like getting a massage and so uh so yeah i usually put those on after hard workouts and so those those definitely seem to help my recovery as well okay wow so gosh this i i can imagine your your <laughs> manual and your protocols that you you've tested and played with and what what you're doing but the, the a good premise I'm already getting here is that uh, yeah you got to train regularly but not too hard just to condition your body just like you did with your barefoot running where you where you helped heal your stress fractures where you yeah. were, you so I love that story too because it sort of seems counterintuitive to a lot of people thinking nope um, but if I go barefoot running or if I if I use minimalist shoes that I'm actually going to hurt my body more and I don't want and I'm trying to avoid that so I wear more cush cushioned um shoes in, the, in that case but there's a you you want to just do a little bit just to help your body grow and then there's a tipping point where it's actually strong enough to support itself again exactly yep yep it's it's like strength training for your feet <laughs> mm -hmm. wow yeah. okay um 
gosh, uh, unfortunately, we're, we're close to that hour mark now. But I mean, there's so many cool biohacks that I could just try pull out of you to <laughs> to, to try help people. Um, we haven't even got into there's some other ones I want to talk about with sleep. Um, and yeah, some sleep. yeah, and other recovery mechanisms that you use, and even things that you would tell people to avoid. Um, Kamal, is it okay if maybe I get you on for another episode just yeah, to help with people? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah we I, can do that. yeah, I definitely want to do that um, because I think we could help a lot of people. <laughs> even I, I, I really I have a passion too for endurance runners because I I could see the confusion that so many people had when I was in South Africa is what do I do? How do I do this? I'm, and then so many of them hurt themselves before they get to the event. And then they're so despondent yeah. thinking I'm one month away from this event that I've wanted to do all my life. And now I've hurt myself and I'm depressed yeah, and, yeah. and will I be able to do it? And I think you could share so many good tips to prevent people from overtraining or, or hurting themselves because I think a lot of people do that where they, they've, they've gone yeah. out too hard and they've hurt themselves and then and then they can't do the event of their life or <laughs> win it like you yeah yeah well you know I'm, i mean even even i had a serious injury leading up to comrades and and you know i it took a whole medical team around me trying to make sure that i was healthy or at least healthy enough when i started the race to to be able to push myself like i did but yeah i mean it it takes a whole entire team and being so in tune with my body and what I'm feeling and just trying to be the health is almost more important than the training, you know? And so that was, that was really critical for, for me being able to win comrades. So, yeah. And just if, if no one understands comrades, how far is that to that race? Yeah. So it's around 87 kilometers, which is about 54, 55 miles. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. And, and what time did you finish that in? uh well 627 uh it probably could have been a little bit quicker but we had a bit of a mishap at the finish line and so uh, i ran probably about a minute slower than i was anticipating but that's okay <laughs> <laughs> oh well you, you still crossed the finish line first so i i did i know it was it was really cool it was very cool so camille how um can people keep in touch with you follow your progress listen to your biohacks your advice yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty active on social media. And so, you know, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And, um, and yeah, and I, you, they can probably contact me through either those uh, through social media or through my website. So, so yeah. Okay, I'm, great. So I'm, now- very, I'm, very, I'm very personable and I like to interact with people. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Fantastic. And I'm going to uh, link to all of these um uh, links in the show notes too so i'll link to your twitter account and your instagram and everything so people can find you that way right. so, um yeah. i just want to say thank you so much for coming on today and i'm definitely going to get you back on for another episode because <laughs> we could talk for a few more hours just about other cool I biohacks <laughs> i know my i yeah my my brain's filled with all kinds of ideas that things i've done over the years so it's it's been fun to develop myself you know from being this injury riddled runner to you know, winning comrades. So, you know, I, I, I love, I love how you can apply the, you know, the knowledge is power uh, concept. And so, yeah, it's been really cool what I've been able to do with myself. So. Fantastic. And uh, yeah. And, and all the best of luck for your future races. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. I, I'll, I'll enjoy following your website as well. So thank you. Thanks. Thanks.